0: Hey, this is Mike Paterno, and I want to welcome you to Mostly Unseen with Jeff Boucher. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you with us today. Jeff is the pastor of Mill Pond Church. I want to let you know that any of these segments from our podcast will be accessible through our website at millpondchurchny.com. We have a great topic for you today. With me, as always, is our host, Pastor Jeff Boucher. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Hey, Mike. Great to be here for another podcast, and I'm pretty excited about Know, what we'll be talking about
0: it is definitely definitely we're going to continue our talk about Jesus uh, it's our sort of part two of last time and who do people think he is um, last time we were talking about John chapter 3 and the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus and there's a whole conversation there that we'll talk about um, and he seems to throw something out at Nicodemus that the layperson reading it would say like oh this just kind of came from left field what is he talking about and really the Old Testament relates to the New Testament as it 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 shows the way this messiah that jesus is coming but what jesus says to nicodemus comes out of actually numbers and it's something that nicodemus would have under, understood very well and uh, i know you're going to elaborate on us uh, and inform us on that so you know uh we're happy to uh to really talk about this and really learn about it so yeah
1: no that's great and this is really a, p- a part two to who is jesus because you know when when we look at who the messiah is one of the key things to remember is that when Jesus was walking the earth, there was no New Testament yet. So the gospel writers, the apostles had not written, the Apostle Paul had not written, the Apostle John had not written, Peter had not written. None of these books were written. So the scriptures that were known very well by the Hebrew, by the Jewish people, by the Israelites, by the Hebrews, was what we now refer to as the Old Testament, or we could refer to them as the Hebrew Scriptures. So that and Jesus frequently pointed to Moses and the prophets to Elaborate on who he was because he said they spoke of him coming and This is gonna be one of those moments where this gets put in there and I think if we don't Understand it 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 goes right past us and when we do understand this it will just enrich what we understand about this conversation with the nicodemus so last time we did talk a little bit too about it was jesus by saying hey we find him at a wedding celebrating he's the word who came down um the word of god himself in uh we saw him cleanse the temple driving the people and the animals out mm-hmm. then we see him talking with nicodemus who's this um very high jesus calls him the teacher of israel and he's a pharisee so kind of like a phd Uh, of his day and he comes to Jesus one night because he sees the things that Jesus is doing and yet he looks at Jesus and he cannot put it together his picture of the Messiah who is to come is very different than the picture he's getting of looking at Jesus here's this carpenter son of Joseph son of a carpenter And that's not the guy they expected. Mm. They expected Messiah to come as a military leader, probably from the nobility, someone who would rise up and fight Rome. Mm. And yet, so he didn't fit that bill at all. And yet, he's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's making the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the mute speak. So Nicodemus is saying to himself, there's nobody could do this unless God is with him. And yet I don't know how this guy is the Messiah so he Nicodemus is getting battered from two sides one is his own viewpoint and what he's seeing witnessing the other is the religious leaders who are anti-Jesus because you know this can't be the Messiah this can't be the the one so that's where we we look at what we want to do is maybe pick up in John chapter 3 and just for the sake of people maybe just joining us for this one Maybe you can read for us um, the very beginning of John chapter 3 so people can get that, you know, passage into the mindset. And uh, and go up, I think, chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 15. Okay, sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth, birth to flesh but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, That everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him.
1: So there's that Old Testament mm-hmm. Numbers passage. They go, "What the heck does that mean?" Just, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, the snake, right the the in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Mm. How in the world does that relate to what Moses was talking about? So let's let's just put a couple things out there, just so we have a, a context. Here's a Pharisee totally educated guy talking to Jesus, formally uneducated. Um, they're worlds apart on the socioeconomic class, on the educational class, on the um, you know, Jesus comes from the people, and this man comes from the elite. And so it's it's very interesting in, in this interaction. And just a few things that we probably said in our our part one series, but I think it's important. He comes to Jesus at night and I love this. He calls him rabbi. That is a distinction that um, you could tell what Nicodemus thought. He said, I've heard the guy speak now. I've watched what he does,
0: especially from him.
1: Yes. Coming from, you know, a great leader of the people. So he's he's bringing him and addressing him with utter respect putting him on his level so that was I think really significant and he says to him we know he's representing other people so there's factions going on right now the leadership is torn people are arguing who is this guy no it's not Messiah it could be Messiah is this the one that was prophesied you know is he the one to come or she you know should we you know put our our eggs in that basket you know whatever it might be so he says we know that you, Jesus, are a teacher who has come from God. So the people I represent, the ones I'm coming to you, uh, you know, to represent and speak for, we, we get it. We've been talking amongst ourselves here. We're, we're talking about the miracles. We're talking about the way that you speak to the demonic. And why is it so crazy? Because, listen, you know, exorcisms took place in those days, but they were not done the way Jesus did them. They were done through kind of, ritualistic, formulaic type things. And I'm not going to get into that now. But And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus would look at a person and address the demonic presence in the person and say, come out. Jesus would also address disease. Mm. And sometimes he would address disease but recognize it's demonic presence that's causing it so the bible tells us that he healed people of sicknesses and diseases maladies and also cast out the demonic from them so jesus could tell what was what another another sign that he is the word of god in the flesh
0: yeah the beauty of that omniscience yes
1: he is god in the flesh so Nicodemus says, we know that you've come from God because no one can do the things that you do apart from the presence of God or unless God were with him. So Nicodemus is now going, I see God with you. I don't see what God has for you. I don't see how you are the one for the people that Moses spoke about. So Jesus answers him very truly i tell you no one can see the kingdom of god without being born again or born from above right nicodemus said in but how can anyone be born after having grown old no one can enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born jesus and, and be born now nicodemus understood him they were using stories and word plays and all kinds of things nicodemus is was I believe understanding what he said? Some people go, no, he thought like Jesus was saying, you have to get back inside your mother's womb. Some, well, of course, no one would think that or believe that. But what Nicodemus understood him to say was almost as impossible in his mind, because what Jesus was saying, that it's not the way you're thinking, Nicodemus. You've studied long and hard. You've tried to obey the law, the and and you know to the letter of the law, even though you'd stumble. So you've committed maybe no willful sins. Um, you stumble from time to time because you're human. But that's not getting you into heaven. And he says, in fact, no one can go there unless they're born from above. So Nicodemus doesn't fully yet understand that, but he's going to go along with the storyline. And so he, he makes, what, what are you saying? Can someone enter their mother's womb a second time? And, you know, Jesus goes on to say, um, Very truly, I tell you, um, well, sorry, Nicodemus said to him what I just read. And then Jesus answers, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Now, again, touched on this last time. So just going to give a a quick thing. Um, So he says the first time he says, no one can see the kingdom of heaven without being born from above." Then no one can enter it without being born of water and spirit. First time you're born, the woman's water breaks. Your body's made up mostly of water. Water has symbolic, um, you know, meaning to the Jews a lot—cleansing, mm. right, life, all kinds of things. But Jesus wants to make a distinction. You're born of earth, humanly speaking, and then you're born from above, spiritually speaking. So it's a physical birth, a spiritual birth. Many are born physically, but not spiritually. Many are born physically and then born again. Spiritually, when they come to faith in Christ, that's what he's talking about here. And so he says that, and then Jesus qualifies what is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. So if you're born human, you're completely human. That's it, you will die human. But if you're born also of spirit, then you are of the spirit, and your life will continue on. That's how he closes this section. So Going on a little bit further, he says to him, Jesus is speaking, do not be astonished or your version might read amazed or do not marvel. Do not, you know, think to yourself, wow, this is incredible. And he says to him, don't don't be astonished that I said to you, you must be born again or must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses or where it wishes, right? And you hear the sound of it but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So what he's trying to say to Nicodemus here is, you don't doubt the wind, do you Nicodemus? No, why not? Can you see the wind? No, I can't see the wind, the wind's invisible. But you see the evidence of the wind. You feel it on your face, on your body. You see it in the leaves of the trees. You see that it can bring comfort on a day that's very warm and a nice breeze coming off the water can, can be very nice. It can also be destructive.
0: What a great analogy. Oh, yeah. What a, as, as much as he might not have understood the other things, the wind.
1: And it's invisible great because,
0: and yet so palpable.
1: Yes. And what does the word spirit mean? Wind. Ruach is the Hebrew. Numitas is the Greek. Mm. Pneumonia comes from the word for spirit or breath. When we have pneumonia, it is hard to breathe. And so the breath. When, G- when God created us in the garden, he breathed the wind, the breath, the spirit mm-hmm. of life into Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that we could speak of. And this is... Opening up that door for us in the Gospel of John. And he'll speak a lot more about it. So he's saying listen, there is physical life and there is spiritual life. we Are hanging on with everything we have to the physical life Think of what happens to a person when they go for their physical their blood work. They come back and they're given a, a Bad diagnosis You have a fast moving malignancy, cancer in your body. We can do some things, but it's touch and go. And, Mm. you know, and the first thing you want to know is how long do I have? And the doctors are very reluctant to give a a, a definitive, but they say, you know, you might have a year, you might have two years what happens inside us we, we get this often crushing feeling why because life is ending mm. but jesus would say no, no no if you're born from above life doesn't end you transition you change you move to a different environment but life continues and life continues better than it was wedding of cana mm. You saved the new wine for last, the words of Christ, the Messiah himself. The prophets were the 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 old wine, but now the new wine has come. And you think about this and you look at it and say, this is exciting. Jesus didn't see death as an ending at all. Right. He saw it as a doorway to a new reality, to what we're all wanting to go to. And, you know, he said, we're all going through that door. You want to be sure you're going to the door where the presence of God mm. will meet you and will be present with you for all eternity. Because some will enter that door, death's door, walk through it, and they will not be spending eternity with God. Mm. And that's where Jesus is going here. This is the beginning of these discussions in the Gospel of John. So I think it's so exciting when you look oh, yeah. at it. Now, <clears throat> he tells them the wind blows where it was. You don't know, you know, you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it's going. Or where it's from. so is everyone who's born in the spirit why because the spirit of god moves them the spirit of god through prayer and through you know people say are oh, you telling me god talks to you maybe we need to get the mental people you know the psychologists and commit you for a little while so okay so you're an unbeliever that's what you are if god is real can god not speak it'd be really ridiculous if god is real you know and he can't speak because if we can speak and he created us, certainly he must be able to speak. Right. Certainly he must be able to do far more than we can do. Oh, yeah. And so do you hear God? You might. You might hear God through someone else's voice, meaning that there's a preacher speaking and you hear a sermon. And you're like, this guy must know my life because everything he's saying applies to what we were talking about all this week. The very things I was praying about. It might not be a preacher. It could be someone that doesn't even know God. Mm. That you're you're asking God, show me a sign, show me, and and you're really at a crossroads in life, and and you say, you know, I just need you to show me, and somebody speaks something that has nothing to do with, you know, this, but it's everything you prayed mm-hmm. for, and you'll, you you want to hug the guy, and he's looking at you like, what are you, what are you what's <laughs> wrong? You have no idea what you just did. You confirmed something for me. And that guy was used by God in you know to do that, and often we don't even know that
0: and it's just amazing because you just mentioned because you know what as Christians, you know people from the outside you know, they think, oh is this is crazy but it's impossible, just statistically that throughout history all different people not not genetically related on any level that we consider biologically through through familial means will have not isolated similarities in their walk with God, and how that and how that all transpires. Yeah. Um,
1: can you name one? I, can you? Can I you listen. I know you
0: have some actually amazing stories about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember there was a story you told about when you were trying to actually start uh, a church and you were trying to figure out where it was going to be and the experiences that actually brought you to that moment. Um, just, just amazing. Um,
1: yeah. You know, there's a passage in Scripture: "Ask and you shall find." Um, we, sorry. Seeking, you shall find. Asking, it shall be given to you. Knocking, the door will be opened to you. We have not, because we ask not. That's mm-hmm. another passage. And this is true. When we're praying, God speaks. And you know, when we limit it to God's audible voice, then we don't understand God. The wind blows where it wishes. You don't know where it's come from or where it's going. So as everyone was born of the Spirit, and so there's God speaks. All the time through his word, you could be praying about something, and the very next day when you go read the Bible, something jumps off the page. Hope like, this is what I was wanting mm-hmm. to know, this is what I'm asking about, and God speaks. And these are common things that happen to many, many. Oh, people. yeah, and you yeah. don't
0: know when necessarily it's going to happen. There was a no. time recently I was driving down the road, I was praying about something that was really bothering me. I'm driving into work, and there's this thick fog. And that I'm driving through on the highway. You can't really see much. I got my lights on. I'm just, and it's sort of like it's like a metaphor for what's happening to me at the time. Yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, like, what am I gonna do about this? Like what? And in that moment, it was like God was speaking to me. You're trying to do what you want to do with this, but you have to be patient to do to wait for what I want you to do with it. Yes. And not not 30 seconds later, the fog broke and I was in complete clean air I could see for a couple of miles I didn't have to turn my lights on I was like oh this is amazing and it was like huh, huh, huh how about that and it's so, amazing what happens sometimes yeah, when you're deep in prayer
1: I have another one right think about this one this is a recent one that we are aware of so you know the the three of us sit here most people don't know this but you and I do the talking But oh, we have Kenny over here mm. who is our technology guy, thank goodness right <laughs> so Kenny was whining and complaining. Right? and praying I'm sure that the seats that I provided the stools which had no cushions on them could be softer now I was unaware of his ill feelings toward perhaps me for not providing this but... so anyway it's the stress
0: and, of the tech and and,
1: and and Kenny's my son-in-law so he's married to my daughter who told me do you think you'll ever get cushions on the seat? Cause Kenny said it hurts.
0: <laughs>
1: so I'm like, are you kidding me? So then here we had a friend, Jim, who has this furniture cause Block and Kenny needed a couch. And they had one that was probably perfect. We go down to pick it up and Jim had some other things. But I see these three stools. How many stools do we have sitting here?
0: Just there's three of us. We That's have amazing. only
1: three stools. And so, all of a sudden, I look over and I see these really, really nice, well-built, super well-cushioned seats. And you know who <laughs> I thought of?
0: You thought of Ken.
1: I thought of Kenny. Right? And when That's I brought those problem, home, man. I'm thinking, this is incredible. So, the little thing, Kenny might have said to God,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I just wish I had something soft to sit on. But I'm working for you doing this podcast.
0: And, low, there it is. Like, we, we say in jest, but no, there's definitely reality to there's it, for sure. Reality. Because, listen, you could not plan that there would be exactly three stools, no. knowing that Jim would have them. That's
1: But think of this, too. I grew up in a church, right? And and I grew up where you were taught, you know, you don't go to God for all the little detail things. You go right. to God for the big things. Like, right. if something serious, like, that's where you actually go to the church, go inside the church, and pray. Because... That's where God's going to hear you, but then when you find looking all through Scripture, no, God cares about the details. He cares mm-hmm. about the little things. He cares about all these things. So God does those things sometimes without us asking. Seriously, mm. and and does it. But enough about that. It is funny, but it's you know, look, God answered that, right? Amen. So, but here's something I want to I want to get to because we want to spend a little time on this. Nicodemus, after listening to Jesus talk about this, and again, you know he's listening and he says to jesus how can these things be and what is he really saying he's saying wait a minute and i can imagine this right and we know this from other parts but he said nicodemus was under the belief that if i lived my life according to the law of moses and i was particularly you know careful and i watched and i understood and i read those laws and i meditated on those things and i checked myself a lot of self-examination that you know i could live what we would call a righteous life it's not a sinless life they didn't they knew nobody could live sinlessly but they they believed because of the sacrificial system they're sacrificing they're you know and they're doing all the right things you know that they would go to heaven with god but now jesus comes and bursts that bubble and he said, you know, no, Nicodemus, you have to be born from above. And Nicodemus said, how can this be? And Jesus said, are you the teacher of Israel? Not a teacher of Israel. Mm. Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Right? So Jesus is saying here, you've, you're very learned. You know the law of Moses. You, you've studied it. You've lived it. You teach it. You taught it. You're going to teach it further. And yet the very essence of what I'm telling you, you do not know. How is that possible? He's not chastising, he's trying to get Nicodemus to
0: self-examine, to really look at himself.
1: An aha moment. So he's saying, How can this be? So Jesus says, Listen, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. And who's the way? his apostles his disciples his followers yet you do not receive our testimony you and maybe people you represent you do not believe or, or, or sorry, receive our testimony if I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe how can you believe it if I tell you about heavenly things I'm, what I'm telling you now I'm giving you earthly understandings to this i'm I'm helping you say this is supposed to be happening now on earth okay if you're not getting this how can i even begin to speak to you about what heaven is like Mm. and what life will be like there and so forth and so on so and then jesus says this no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from there the son of man so many of us think of ascended as a great mountain climbers term because they would say i ascend the peaks I climb and I get there or descend mm-hmm. I'm descending the summit right well this is a really good word because no one can ascend no one can climb no one can work their way not a person and if you you're listening to and you thought at the end of time there's going to be these cosmic scales my good deeds will go in on one side my sins will go on the other side and hopefully if my good outweighs my bad I'm going to get into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Sins have to be paid for. The Bible tells us the wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. Is that,
0: yeah.
1: Well, I don't want death. Well, we all die. No, no, you're talking about spiritual death. Physical death for sure. That's sin brought physical death into the world. But spiritual death. And that's like far worse. So Jesus is saying here to him, um, and this is the, our next verse is really exciting. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven. Son of man. Well, how's that happen? Because at the end, we have something called the ascension. Jesus lives a life that's perfect, dies a sinner's death, rises because death cannot hold him, ascends into heaven because of righteousness. None of us can do that. Mm. How do we get there? We get there by his work on the cross. Now, here's what he says. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Power-packed verse right here. Why? Nicodemus would have known immediately what he was speaking of. Immediately. And I'm going to say that it is entirely possible, more than possible, possibly even likely, that in that moment Nicodemus had his aha moment had a light bulb his epiphany had his epiphany and why do i say that we're going to look at that passage Mm. and again this particular passage comes from numbers 21. numbers 21 which i'm going to ask you to read in a moment is found in the first five books of the bible that is called the torah and that's the hebrew name and in the greek it's called the pentateuch penta for five took is the law and um the torah is the the book of moses what moses you know wrote and the jews held moses higher than all the prophets and because moses said one like me would come and him you must listen to and there was a lot of a lot of um comparisons between messiah and moses And so we're, and we'll look at some of them as time goes on. So when you look at this, he's referencing just this saying that Nicodemus immediately would have understood the story and the story would have come to mind. So go ahead and read for us, Mike, those first 15 verses.
0: Sure. And uh, yeah, number 21. Yep. Yep. Verses 1 through 9. When the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming along the road to Arthium. He attacked the Israelites and captured some of them. Then Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. The Lord listened to Israel's plea, and gave the Canaanites over to them. They completely destroyed them in their towns so that the place was named Ormah. They traveled from the, from Mount Or along the route to the Red Sea, to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they
1: lived. So, We read that, right, if you're not aware of what's going on, and we're like, yeah, uh, all right. I got more questions now than I've got answers. (laughs) So, And I want to just hit two or three things that he said. I'm not going to answer them entirely, but I want the listener to just move beyond it, and we'll come back to these. We will address these another time. So number one is when they get attacked unprovoked. They're coming into the promised land where people already are living but this was the land that god promised to the jews mm-hmm. back in the days of abraham which was 21 say 50 bc moses is around 1440 1450 bc okay so they're coming through now and they're coming to the land so the israelites you know were attacked some were taken captive um and It says that the Israelites made a vow to the Lord and said, if you deliver these people into our hands, we'll utterly destroy their towns. So God would have allowed the the people in there to move forward and and to move because this land had been promised and they could have moved out peacefully. But when they attacked God's people, God rose up against them. So people go, yeah, that's a question I have. God seemed to kill men, women, children. That's terrible. I can't believe God, out of love, would do that. Question for another time. There's a great answer for it, okay? Now, the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and handed over the Canaanites. And they utterly destroyed them and their towns. And so the place was called Hormah. All right, God listened. The point for our current discussion is the people asked God, the people made a vow to God, God delivered on his part. And what's the next thing the people do? they they start complaining complaining. and what do they start complaining about they just saw a miracle they just experienced it and it says when they the people came uh, set out by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom um, but they became impatient the people spoke against God and against Moses why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness now people say are you kidding you're in slavery now you're free Uh, it's not all like that though they were in slavery hundreds of years they come out of there but what you know is funny the familiar is comfortable i was just about to
0: say that yes old habits die hard
1: well they're they're they were in slavery but you know what i had my little home i came home every day it was hard work my food was there i had some livestock i had bread on the table i had all these things yeah but you're a slave but I was taking care of. but you're a slave. God has given you a vision to become his people and to be free and to have him reign over you and to, you know, have your own land, your own place, your own. They liked the idea. They just didn't realize how hard it would be. It wasn't like God was going to bring it down from heaven in a sense of, all right, look, here's this. And in some ways he did, because when they entered the land, they entered into homes. They did not build vineyards. They did not plant captured livestock they did not you know raise so god did do some of that but here they were along the way and i got to tell you something this is the picture of us all of us who, who said when we don't get what we want we say why is god making me suffer why is god doing this how come this why that and we forget how holy god is he is not someone that you can just spew your anger at now does god put up with us yes Does he allow some of that? Yes, he knows that we are but dust. Mm. So he does tolerate some of that. He knows your heart. But then you get people. They will keep complaining. They'll keep whining. So what does God do? He's about to teach them a lesson. But not just a lesson. He's going to teach them about Messiah. So what does he do? He says he, he sends poisonous serpents. Some of your Bibles might read a serpent is a snake in this case. Poisonous sometimes is read fiery because it, it's a bite it's a sting that you're going to die from so it says this now remember how israel's camp is set up there's three tribes to the north three to the west three to the south three to the east the levites and i'm not going to get into all this but say so wait a minute but the levites aren't one of those the levites in encircul- encircle the whole center and inside of them is the tabernacle inside the tabernacle right when they build it and they haven't gotten well you know like they've gotten that it's the holy of holies it's it's the movable temple that will will become the temple and a lot of these things if you don't understand them it's okay just understand that the levites were the priests the, the priests came from them they would do the spiritual services so the the levites camped and the center of the camp could be seen by any of the tribes now, people say, Oh, they camped around it. No, this camp was huge, there's perhaps a million and a half to two million people. So, but Moses tells you know, the or Moses commands that poisonous snakes go out into the midst. People started getting bit all over, they're in a the wilderness. And you imagine the fear walking out, you can get bit by a snake walking on the rocks,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you don't realize they're there, and they bite it, and then you die. So the people repent they immediately realized that these snakes were sent by god for their lack of reverence to god who delivered them from their slavery so they After say to a moses,
0: miraculous miracle
1: absolutely so they say to moses moses go as our mediator as our priest as our go-between we do not deserve this we they repent and they they say please Please take this from us and we will obey. So God could easily have commanded the snakes again, away, but he doesn't. Instead, he says to Moses, form a snake from metal, from bronze in this case, put it in the middle of the camp, raise it up so that no matter where anyone is, that if they get bit by a snake, they can see, they can look up to it, Mm and if they believe they'll be healed so okay so he brings this now the fiery serpent comes to us from where
0: from the enemy really right and where do we
1: first see that
0: in uh, Genesis
1: in the Garden of Eden and what happens the snake deceives it's like a snake bite Mm. sin and this has been likened to sin all throughout the time of Israel even today So, you know, we think of Satan as this serpent, right? Even today's language, these metaphors. And sin, we were bitten by poison. That poison is sin. We are dying from it. We're physically dying, but we're spiritually dying. God wants to point something out to us and give us a teaching. He says to Moses, create a serpent, form a serpent out of metal, put it up. Whenever someone's bit, okay, if they look up, okay, Moses made the servant, put it in the pole. Whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze, and they would live. So they would look up and believe. And Jesus said in the New Testament, talking to Nicodemus, if they believe, right? Now, this is great. So he lifts up the serpent in the middle, and they look, and God heals them. Now, we don't know how long that went on for, but it went on for a period of time. Some people say, well, naturally, if someone gets bit, then they're going to look up to the serpent. No, I don't think so. There are people, even in the midst of those people, even what they had seen, still angry, still bitter, still don't like their surroundings, don't like that they don't have the comforts of Egypt, Mm. would have rather stayed where they were, not followed God. You just don't know who they are because you can't see the heart. So could there be some people who didn't believe that when they were bit, they looked up, you know, or sorry, they didn't look up. They weren't going to give God the satisfaction. They weren't going to give their family or Moses. They were going to say, no, no, I'm not going to look up and do that. You know what I mean? Because I don't believe this stuff. They would have died. Mm-hmm. And some people, believe it or not, will go to their death out of pride. Just so they say they didn't believe in what you were telling them.
0: Yeah.
1: And and a variety of other reasons. So what is going on here? He's given him a picture. It says that in the middle of all this, he tells them, lift up this serpent, this fiery serpent, you know, this formed serpent. And if the people are bit, they can look when they look, they see the cause of their sin. They see their sin on that pole. Why, Why do I say that? Because who represents sin?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: The enemy. So they look up and we're saying, okay, I don't get how this relates to Jesus. Jesus doesn't represent sin for us. Jesus represents holiness. Jesus represents perfection. No, 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 no. When Jesus died, what happened on the cross? Remember this first. Jesus was lifted up on the cross, wasn't Mm -hmm. he? And put, and where did he die? Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Right there outside the walls in the camp crucified why was he crucified
0: well they said he was a criminal being the religious leaders but we know it the was, bible because it has to be us, a sacrifice for our sins
1: he, he was sacrificed for our sins now what actually took place the bible tells us this. what took place on the cross what happened
0: he gives up his spirit and he says before that uh before he says it is finished before that before the repentance of one of the criminals that were were with him
1: we don't have an exact time but but he gets lifted up and he takes on himself sin. he becomes that sin Mm, yes why because that sin of all mankind had to be punished why why did that have to be punished why can't God who's a God of mercy and a God of love just say I love you you are forgiven.
0: Because God can't change. He has okay. to follow His law. What's His law? His law is mm-hmm. that the wages of sin is
1: death. And let's put it even more clear. God is love, purely. No doubt about that. Mm. That is one Amen. of God's essential character, traits, attributes. He is love. Not He has love or He loves. He is love embodied. But there's another attribute. He is just. Well, what is just? Justice. He is justice. Justice demands what?
0: Retribution.
1: It demands payment. Retribution. Payment for sin. Has to do it. So God loves us. He looked at all of mankind. Could he find one perfect person among us? Of course not. But He loves us, but he can't forgive us because he could forgive us in his heart. Let's say I'm going to use human attributes. He could forgive us there. But the justice side said, but that doesn't meet the justice. Mm -hmm. There has justice has to be met. Sin has to be paid for, but nobody can pay for it. And animals aren't up to the task. They can't Mm -hmm. do it. It has to be human. So what the only solution, if I don't want to condemn all of them to eternity separated from me
0: as you is need a worthy me, payment
1: is for me to go mm. so the second member of the Trinity Jesus himself is willing and it says willingly came it also says he was sent the father sent him, but he was willing he came to the earth and he lived like we do humanly he gave up not gave up lost them but did not use his powers, if you will, his omniscience, omnipotence, what do you mean not use them? There's times that he could read people's hearts. No, no, no. He could understand their thoughts. Why? Because Jesus prayed to the father constantly. And the father constantly gave him what he needed every day as an example of how we need to live our lives. Mm-hmm. We go to the father, and the father will answer. And we need to be patient. We need to be in communion with the Father. We need to be in concert with him. We need to be connected. We need to be simpatico, walking, right? However you want to put it. So Jesus on that cross, Jesus is God in the flesh, comes to teach and preach, but to live up to the law that no man could do. Jesus fulfilled all of the law. God didn't get rid of the law. He fulfilled the law. In a person. Mm. Who was the person? Jesus. Jesus. That he fulfilled it. But then, evil men, sinful men, did what?
0: They killed him. As a
1: criminal. For committing sins. But death could not hold him. Why not? Because he's God. Because he did not sin. Because... Because death came from sin sin cannot hold righteousness mm. it cannot it has no power light has no power over darkness
0: the light came into the darkness and the, the darkness, darkness could not, not comprehend,
1: comprehend it. Not, right light a candle in the middle of a very dark room what happens
0: you can see a whole lot more the
1: darkness retreats put a light bulb in at a light and darkness retreats even more jesus said i am the light of the world I am the true light who has come down from heaven into the darkness. So when you think of this, they condemned it, but Jesus became sin. What does that mean? He took on our sin from the past, present, and future. It was nailed to the cross. And from that act, God met justice. And therefore, mercy can be dispensed. But there's a condition which is normal. We have conditions that we put on people all the time. Mm-hmm. We, we make conditional contracts. I'm on, a, I'm on a planning board that we approve projects based on conditions. And if you meet these conditions, as the chairman, I'll sign the plan. And then you can go ahead and feel free to build that new building. But if you don't meet the conditions, then no. God's condition was obedience. Now, we can't meet the condition 100% obedience to god following god we stumble and fall and god knows it he knows that we do that so he said that when you sin first john 1 9 you know god is faithful if we confess our sin god is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness he doesn't just cover it over he removes it how does he remove it he paid for it he paid for it and therefore He can give us mercy because the sin that he took on has been now paid for in his death and that death is effectual and complete and can pay for anyone's sin but here's what he said if you want your sin forgiven and i'm gonna kind of you know let's go back to john okay go back to john and we'll pick up and look at what he was just saying to nicodemus if you go to the last verse He says this, Jesus answered. um, Sorry. um, He said this, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, to Nicodemus, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The serpent was looked upon and believed upon. The Son of Man is going to be lifted up. At that point, telling Nicodemus, it didn't happen yet. Mm. And he said, the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. That whoever believes in him Like they did the serpent like they did they saw their sin and they felt badly now they're going to look up and see their sin nailed to the cross in me they don't know it yet that's about to happen so then then they may have eternal life what did they what kind of life did they get when they looked at the serpent in the wilderness
0: they had physical life
1: they got physical life did they still die they did jesus said nicodemus we just talked about physical and spiritual. In the wilderness, Moses lifted up the serpent and the people looked to him and those that were bit, right? And sin is the example. You were bit by sin, you're gonna die. In this case, you were bit by a viper's poison. You'll live if you look up and believe. You were bit by the real viper's poison, mm. sin itself. I'm gonna be lifted up that whoever looks to me shall live eternally, I'll have eternal life. Now, go a little further most famous verse in all of scripture comes next what does it say
0: that whoever whoever believes in him will have uh, eternal life and not not perish
1: right for the next verse is for god so loved the world that he gave his only son i'm gonna rephrase that for god loved the world in such a way the depths of god's love we have no you know when we think you know i love my children and look one of them was hit by a car one of them You know, these poor kids that were shot recently in Texas yesterday. Um, You know, our hearts go out. We wonder, you know, God, what? God understands that pain. Why? He gave his own son Mm. for all of us. Mm -hmm. Right? His son, meaning he was born into the world. He was part of the Trinity. And he died. So God loved the world in such a way that he gave his only son, that whoever or everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life, not just physical life. In fact, we're going to die, whether we die at age 10, 50, 80 or 100. What is that compared to eternity? Nothing. Nothing. God knows that. Does God's heart break when someone dies on Earth for those left behind who suffer? Absolutely. Lazarus died, his good friend. When Jesus met with Lazarus and sisters, he had been in the tomb four days. Martha says to Jesus, "Lord, if you had been here, you could have saved them." And they sent for him, but Jesus didn't come. And she said, and he said to her, "Your brother will live." She said, "I know he will." In eternity, in the last resurrection. And Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection." Jesus knew he was about to raise him from the dead. Mm-hmm. And she and he said, you know, then Mary comes, the other sister. And says, Lord, if you had been here, my her brother wouldn't have died. And and she's crying. And then it says that Jesus wept. Isn't it crazy? Why is Jesus weeping? He's going to give him back to, to them. He's weeping because it hurts him. It is more than weeping. He's weeping and he's angry inside. Why is he angry? He's angry because of sin. He's angry because it, it robs people of, of joy and and presence and all kinds of things. So he just wept with Mary. Then when they were done weeping, And morning, he stood up, he prayed, and he called Lazarus out of the tomb. And he rose and came out of the tomb. And people say, why didn't something like that happen today? Well, I remind them quickly. Lazarus what?
0: Lazarus still died.
1: He died again. He had died twice, physically. They lost him twice. He went through the death process twice. They say, ooh. Because what Jesus died for is eternal life. The new body we get never
0: dies and he only had to die once because he died for everything past, present and future. Yes. So people say, "Well, no, he doesn't have to die again. He already made the sacrifice."
1: Yes. And and it, you know, it says in the next verse, "Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it." But to save the world, that the world might be saved through him, and those who believe in him are not condemned. But listen to this. But those who do not believe, Jesus said, are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now you think of that, wow, and this is the judgment, Jesus said, that the light has come into the world and that people loved darkness rather than light. The ones that complained in the wilderness, they loved darkness mm. rather than light. The people today, I'm not going to turn to God. I'm going to miss out on all the fun. You know, I want to do this. and I want to do that. Right. We want to be kings and queens of our own lives. We want to. We're
0: in our own minds anyway, right? Yes.
1: (laughs) And so we want to do what we want to do. What we don't realize is that's going to cause us to be separated from God for eternity. Oh, no, God should do this. No, no, you're not God. You don't get to dictate Mm. the conditions. You don't get to dictate the rules. He died for you. You didn't die for him. Right. He was perfect. You were never perfect. He gave his life that you might live. You didn't give your life that anybody might live. So you don't have any position, any standing to dictate to God what God needs to do. We need to realize that we are the clay. He is the Mm Potter. He's the one that forms us. We didn't form him. You know, the Bible says that we are made in his image. It doesn't say that we made God in our image. But that's what many people are doing. And if we do that, we will surely die. And death (laughs) abides in us it
0: dwells in us and scripture teaches us so much about that it's from beginning to end in the bible it's all in there Yes. um and you know look we just spent an hour talking about one chapter one actually section of chapter three and you know people have to realize god is very deep very deep and unfortunately as a society were very superficial. Yes. And the, the truth is, is you will never really find God unless you're willing to get deep. Yes. I mean, you took, you took two verses, uh, from basically, um, 20 to 22, and right there, you we spent a half hour just deciphering that from numbers and this and that, explaining how Jesus knew what he was doing, how deep that was, and how then sin would come on him what would happen The people would look to him to be saved yes even though he taught nicodemus who was someone who was so one influential as a pharisee but too learned and didn't know that
1: yes
0: and under but jesus understood all that and he says he says in matthew he says thank you for thank you father because you've hidden from the learned what you and and shown to the unlearned so i mean you know, it's very deep and people have to just be willing to get deep yes. and really, and then surrender and they'll get, and then God will come.
1: Uh, you're exactly right. And you know what I, uh, my encouragement would be? If, if this encouraged you today to go, wow, that passage from the Old there are hundreds of these. And the promise is you will come to know God in a much deeper way. You will see things that you've never seen. You will get so excited about what, what was written ahead of time. Prophetic things that are so clear. So poignant. Uh, It's amazing. And I I, I've been studying the Bible for 40 years and I am still I I, Every time I come to it. I'm learning something new. So it's exciting. We're gonna pick up in this same Kind of type thing uh, maybe right from here because right now in this next sections John's gonna start opening up what that love of God looks like and A little bit too about the judgments and the mercies and you know you know i think we're in for a a great ride uh, to see what's what, what you know who this jesus is so you know with that mike why don't you close us out and just pray for those that are listening today yes
0: all right so listen um lord we just thank you jesus for just being able to gather and and just speak about you lord and we know that the world needs to open its ears and hear and really understand you Lord and we pray that people will do that open their hearts to you and that you'll come into them and we know that the world is so tough Lord but if we come to you your load is light and your burden is easy Lord and we pray that people will come to you and realize that and then we can follow you Lord and we just thank you Jesus and um Pray that others that want to accept you will just pray that prayer, Lord, come to me. Let me follow you, just as the disciples did. And we just thank you and praise you in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Great to be with all of you today. And if you're listening, uh, God bless and look forward to uh, being with you again soon.